Well, good morning, gang. It is Eric Sorensen with you here on Tuesday morning for our Tuesday morning devotion in uh, the book of Ephesians. We're almost done. I think we've got this week and next week, and then we're wrapped up with the book. Uh, and uh, we've been looking at Paul's instructions. Uh, basically, you know, he does this in most of his letters, very practical kinds of instructions towards the end of his letters usually detailing how to live in the world now as Christians. And so, and you can kind of see a formula to it, especially in Ephesians, you have, uh, first you have sort of how to get along as a church and then how to get along as a family, how to get along as a married couple, uh, how to be a parent, you know, et cetera. Uh, and then, uh, and then today uh, we're looking at how to sort of live in the workplace. I mean, that's really, what he addresses here, and uh, and yet the workplace is very different than uh, than our workplace um, because we're talking about the Roman Empire in the first century. We'll discuss that. We'll go over that in a little bit. Um, so let me read it: Ephesians chapter six, verses five through nine, and then we'll dig in. It says this: Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bond servant or free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. End of reading. All right, so before we get into today's text, a few, for, uh, a few just basic facts about work from a biblical perspective. Just broadly, biblical perspective. First of all, it was originally a gift of God's good creation. Work is not a result of the fall into sin. Work has always been or was always seen as a gift given to Adam and Eve before sin. However, uh, our fall into sin has made work harder, more difficult, and far less than utopia, as no doubt many of you getting ready for work at this moment are utterly aware of. Uh, nevertheless, as hard or difficult as work may be at times, uh, we should not forget that we are, in fact, living in one of the best times in the history of the world for workers. And this is true no matter what class of worker you are, no matter where you're living in the world, even in really, really difficult uh, areas of the world where conditions aren't what they should be today, we are still living in times that vastly um, uh, succeed uh, the past because workers did not have many rights in the past at all throughout most of the world. It's not perfect, we got a long way to go, but we're living in a time with a higher standard of living and greater freedoms in the job market than ever before in the world. And so, uh, so that's sort of, that's the broad picture of work. Work is a gift. Work, like all of God's gifts, has been corrupted by our sin, and yet uh, we're living in a time where there's great opportunity through our work. So let's talk about work in the first century. What was it like to be a worker in the first century in the Roman world? Well, these workers are indeed slaves, or as our text calls them, uh, bond servants. 
Um, now, back then, there was really no lower, middle, upper class distinction in the working world. You were either a master or you were a slave. Uh, you were a master usually based on your family's heritage, and you were a slave probably for the same reason. Uh, in the Roman Empire, it is estimated that there were 60 million slaves, 60 million slaves. And that means that the mass of the population, the vast majority of the population, were indeed categorized as slaves. The, they were the working class of the day. Uh, the economy was almost entirely built on the backs of these slaves. And it's important to note that slavery back then, or bond servanthood, however uh, one refers to it, was not the same as Western European American evil race-based slavery. Not that it was ideal or pristine conditions, but they were just not the same. Uh, most slaves back then chose, in fact, to be slaves because the economy at the time was just far too risky for most people to venture out on their own in business. You did not have something that we very much take for granted here in America, which is the ability to be the self-made person, the entrepreneur. That was just not a thing uh, back then, and I know we're used to it, but that was unthought of, unheard of back then. Uh, so, so most slaves chose to be slaves. Slavery provided stability, uh, security, and frankly, a potentially comfortable life for many. Uh, that's not to say that slaves were always treated well, um, but again, their rights were very limited, and, um, it, but they were very important to masters because the masters needed them to work the house, and so there often ended up being a very close relationship between the master's family and the slave's family in the ancient world. So much so that um, most of the time, again, slaves, even after they had a chance to go free after seven years, uh, just out of pure economic self-interest and stability, would choose to stay with their masters. Uh, so so that's, that really is the situation we're walking into when we think about the world that Paul addresses here in Ephesians. And of, co of course, the closest parallel that we can make in this section between that life and our life is is our life at work how how are we christians at least in our attitudes and in our thoughts um how are we supposed to view work what does it look like to work as unto the lord and so first of all paul says in verse five well we should work with respect for those in authority over us um, for the servant recognize your supervisor's authority and give him the proper respect as your supervisor. Uh, notice the pattern throughout this whole section, beginning in verse 21 of chapter 5. Uh, everything is done first and foremost out of a reverence for Christ. The passage begins by saying, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. On the other side of the coin, uh, if you were the master, if you're a supervisor, well, Recognize your servant, your employee, as being just as valuable as you are in the eyes of God. Again, it is not about how good an employee this person is. Good morning, Judy. Um, but how good a God you have. It's not about the person, the boss, or the worker, but it's about the God you serve. This is Paul's anchor for his argument. So we don't say that the boss or the supervisor doesn't have the right to fire people if they're not doing their job. Sometimes the supervisor needs to get rid of people just because they're no good at the job. And that's, that's a real life thing. But in doing so, 
the principle I think that Paul is saying is that you must still show respect for them as persons created in the image of God just like you. So no matter what position we're in, whether we're supervisor, worker, whatever, we're called to do our work with respect for those around us just as we would like to be respected. All right, so secondly, Paul says not just don't just respect them, but work with sincerity as for Christ. And you can find that again in verses 5 and 6. And boy, this verse is significant. Uh, God knows exactly how our sinful minds work, and so he doesn't allow us any wiggle room. Um, one of the key differences between a Christian, uh, at least from Paul's perspective in the workplace and a non-Christian, is when the supervisor isn't around, the Christian still will do just as good a job. This is what Paul is basically calling us to. Through our vocation, God shows love to our neighbor. In a saying attributed to Martin Luther, he put it this way, quote, the maid who sweeps her kitchen is doing the will of God just as much as the monk who prays. Not because she may sing a Christian hymn as she sweeps, but because God loves clean floors. The Christian shoemaker does his Christian duty not by putting little crosses on the shoes, but by making good shoes because God is interested in good craftsmanship. So the idea behind it is that we're not doing whatever we do at work just merely to be seen as good workers, but we're doing it again out of reverence for Christ. So we work hard not based on whether we feel like our boss deserves our hard work or not. There's going to be plenty of days, I promise you, where your boss doesn't deserve your hard work. And frankly, you'll be tempted to be like, meh, and throw them, throw them some shade. Fair enough, but you're not working for them. You're not working for your boss. You're not working for your company. You're not. You're not serving them. You are a servant of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is your supervisor. And so Paul says in verse 7, work with a good attitude as for Christ. Work with a good attitude as for Christ. And that's really found in verse 7. Now, I do have to make one note here. Um, what Paul is saying in this text about the relationship between master and slave, between master and bondservant, in that day and age, for him to talk to masters like he does at the very end, saying masters do the same to them, Stop threatening, knowing that he was both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. That verse, we, again, we're like, yeah, of course, everybody's equal. Back then, this was revolutionary talk. This was, I mean, this was breaking down barriers that had been erected for hundreds, if not thousands of years in the ancient world. And Paul is telling masters, don't forget that in the eyes of God, you are no different than the slave that serves under you. And so you treat them the way that you want them to be, that you would like to be treated. So, the revolutionary stuff. Just like so much in here, by the way. Um, so let's all, let's wrap this up. Short little bit of motion today. Um, I will submit to you that what the Bible is saying is that the only way that you're going to be able to work with respect or with sincerity or with a good attitude in your, in your job, in your calling at work, um, is, is really, truthfully, if your supervisor is good and perfect all the time. And if you look to your human supervisor to be good and perfect to you all the time, 
well, then you'll be disappointed and you'll be really, really, really tired of working very quickly. But of course, if your supervisor is Jesus Christ, if Jesus is your shepherd, if he is the one that is overseeing you on any given day and your work is ultimately not for them, but is done out of reverence for him, as Paul says in the very beginning of our passage, well, then that changes everything. Because he is the good shepherd and he is the master who leads through not commandeering or, or being domineering, but through service and through sacrifice for you. I mean, remember, though you have been an unfaithful and unfruitful slave, as he would reference throughout the Gospels, your master has incredible patience with you. As a matter of fact, your master has paid the ultimate price to have you as his, as his servant for all time. And not just as his servant. Our master is such a good master that he adopts us as his children. He has bought you. He has ransomed you with his blood. The master lays down his very own life for the slave. In Christ, we are redeemed as his. We are sons and daughters of the king. Sons to a righteous, good, and loving Father. So let us go to work today in service to him, out of reverence for him and all that he's done for us. All right, gang, have a great week. I will uh, see you next week. Hey, by the way, if you haven't checked out 30 Minutes in the New Testament lately, um, we have some special guests on throughout the month of December to celebrate Advent. So our first one was with... Um, our buddy Matt Popovitz, and yesterday we just released our episode with Elise Fitzpatrick, and uh, a lot of fun, a lot of good uh, stuff in those talks. So anyway, check that out, 30 Minutes in the New Testament. Have a good week. See you later. God bless.